You're listening to the Parkview Church Training Podcast, where we equip you to glorify God by making disciples of Jesus Christ. If you'd like to learn more about Parkview or give to our ministry, please visit parkviewchurch.org. Hello, Parkview. This is... (laughs) Say hello. Hello, Parkview. This, This is Pastor Thomas, and I'm here with Wade. Yes, great to be here. And we want to talk a little bit about the book that our groups will be going through in this upcoming summer session. And for that purpose, we're, we feel very special because we are welcoming a special guest, and his name is Dane Ortland. Dane is the pastor of Naperville Presbyterian Church in, you guessed it, Naperville, Illinois, a good friend of uh, well, particularly of Wade's, but we've had the pleasure of having his company several times as our staff. Some of our staff have gone over to Naperville to talk with him, and they've just been so welcoming, so wonderful. So, Dane, welcome to uh, the podcast. No, it is so great to talk with you both. Thank you, Thomas and Wade. Well, it's great to talk with you. We've been looking forward to this for just a long time. So, so overjoyed that you agreed to, to talk with us about this. So, like I said, the, the reason that we are talking with you is because this, this summer our, our groups are going to be reading a book called Gentle and Lowly, The Heart of Christ for Sinners and Sufferers. Now, this, this book came out in, I want to say, 2020. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. 2020, yep. Okay. And uh, it's been incredibly meaningful for me. Um, this is one of those books that if you read it all the way through in two sittings, you have done it wrong, uh, even though you easily could. Um, you want to enjoy it, uh, meditate on it. Each chapter is concise and helpful, um, plenty for you to meditate on, to think about, to learn from. Would you agree with that, Wade? Yes, absolutely. It's, yes. it's probably my most earmarked book I'm, I have in my possession. I'm looking over there. Wade and I both have our copies in front of us. And I was joking before this that if I have one criticism of this book, it's that the cover really picks up dirt, <laughs> um, because they're just they've just been well loved books for both of us. Um, we also know this book has been super popular. Uh, I just did a quick Google, and it sounds like over half a million copies of this book have been sold. Is it is that right, Dane? Can that be right? That is correct. Yeah, amazingly. Wow, so incredible! It's been helpful for so many people. So, Dane. The book is called Gentle and Lowly, The Heart of Christ for Sinners and Sufferers. That's a pretty descriptive title, but would you mind giving us a little overview of what this book is about? I'm glad to do that, brother, and it is just so much fun to talk with you both. Thank you for this honor and privilege. Uh, The point of the book really is um, Jesus Christ isn't who you think he is. He isn't who you think he is when you think you have him buttoned up and understood He's not who you think he is when you roll out of bed in the morning intuitively. He's not even who you think he is when you're sitting in a theology class or at church and are bored. Mm. (laughs) The the Jesus that we are all walking around naturally reflexively bored with and yawning at is not the Mm. real Jesus. And um, I'm just trying to look at Scripture under the coaching of the Puritans along with a handful of others to say, what do we actually see staring back at us in black and white from the pages of Scripture, not only New Testament, but also Old, anticipating mm-hmm. Christ, um, about 
about who he is in his innermost being, what is deepest within him, mm. what he's what is most natural to him. And apparently um, that is that he is uh, the calmest, most uh, able to absorb, most patient, most accessible, most weakness attracted mm. rather than weakness repelled person in the universe. Mm. The high and holy Christ, the one that John fell down before and thought he was dead in Revelation 1, mm. the one that the, the, the rulers of the earth want cliffs to fall on them rather than face the wrath of this one in Revelation 6, mm. uh, that one most deeply actually confounds and defies our natural intuitions about what he's most really like because he's actually the kindest and gentlest person in the universe. Mm. Praise God. That's right. I mean, how, how do we follow that up, Wade? <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. That's wonderful. Now, I, I can see, and now I've read this book, of course, so I'm, I'm aware, but a lot of that is based off of, uh, I think it's Matthew 11, isn't it? Where Jesus yes. says, yes, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, uh, right. for I am gentle and lowly in heart. Yeah. So I, I love what you're doing and I love, I love this book. And I, one thing I, uh, just, just reflected on is, um, how much people as they're listening to or reading this book this summer are going to think, aha, our pastors are not actually geniuses. They're just stealing everything from Dane (laughs) (laughs) who stole it from the Bible. And you know what, what I think you're so right about is the fact that our inclinations don't lead us to a realistic view of Jesus and that we can even spend a lifetime reading the Bible thinking we have clarity um, and discover one day that that was not the case. Um, Mm -hmm. So what, what led you to write this book? What led you down this road to this project? Well, I'm a fellow thief just like you guys, and I'm just Ooh. stealing from those that I've read. And for me, it has been um, a, a, a handful of English pastors under affliction and persecution mm-hmm. in um, in the 1600s in England. And the, for me, chief among them, Thomas Goodwin. Also John Owen and John Bunyan, the Pilgrim's Progress guy, and a few others, Richard Sibbs. But Thomas Goodwin was the one in whose 12 volumes of collected works, he mm-hmm. loops back to this theme time and time again, even when he's not directly um, hitting it. And he has a couple of books where he is reflecting on this theme in particular, the heart of Christ. But even when he isn't, he keeps talking, guys, about mm. God's heart, Christ's heart, how we experience God in Christ's heart through the Holy Spirit. Um, and so uh, what led me to write it is reading Thomas Goodwin and saying, why hasn't anyone ever told me this before? <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard this. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, I have maybe in drips and drabs here and there, but here I am through all my seminary training, grad school training, and, mm-hmm. and, and, and working in the, the world of Bible and theology and publishing in my, well, it was 2013, so in my 30s, mm-hmm. uh, saying, whoa, th- this is, uh, I, like, Jesus Christ just went from 2D to 3D here. Uh, I, I have read these texts in Scripture before, mm-hmm. but I never realized that these descriptions of his gentle heart are not peripheral 
or apologized for or a footnote to mm. what Jesus is, who he most evil. This is his heart. Mm-hmm. And um, so what let me write of the book is a, is me taking any reader who wants to on the journey that I have been on to um, fix my impoverished theology that was not integrating mm. Christ and his heart into it as the beating core of um, of how I think about the Lord Jesus. Mm. Wow. Excellent. And I think, you know, as as we read this book, that's what we've discovered, and that, that that's absolutely true. I, I wonder, how would you answer, you know, I think you're so right that, you know, just like I said, it's true. We do walk around with an impoverished understanding of Christ, who he is, gentle and lowly. Why is that? Why have so many of us missed that? And, you know, I, I, I said before how popular this book has been. Why is that? Why have we missed this? And, and maybe, you know, to such a degree that we, we need something like this to remind us. Why is that so simple for us? Because we are sinners. And one manifestation of sin is that we create God and Christ in our image mm. instead of letting him be who he claims to be in the scripture, defying our intuitive uh, you know, sense of who he is. Mm. What we tend to think is Jesus is the best person in the universe. He's a bigger, huggier, nicer, smilier mm. version of me, mm. um, who is still repelled by weirdness, dysfunction, failure, sin, and mess, mm. but just less so. Mm. But actually, the scripture shows us he can't stay away from mm. those who bring that to him. I mean, just we have Matthew 11, as you mentioned, where he mm. says he's gentle, lowly in heart. But then, guys, of course, as you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John are riddled with, laced with episodes where he's proving that in his actions, mm. where he's drawn to those who um, are, are just in the pit. Mm-hmm. You know, Psalm 103, I was in the pit and you rescued me. I mean, that that he he he's he's he finds that state of being irresistible um that's where he lives and loves to be so um why do we walk around with that deficit i don't know we're just weird we don't we don't hear it <laughs> talked about we're less this is less talked about today um than it was 400 years ago i think mm. uh i mean i had great seminary classes on the person of christ and on the work of christ and i would you guys and I would die for those truths that mm. we learned there. But those are those are neat and clean. They're mm-hmm. objectively. I never had a class on the heart of Christ. Mm. And this is the one thing which, because we know way down deep, we know this. We may not even know that we know it. It's so down deep. We know we are we are twisted and broken mm. and wrong and not fulfilling the destiny that Genesis 1 and 2, image of God, Adam and Eve, destiny we were created for. Mm. We see glimpses of it in great literature like Lord of the Rings, and we long for it, but we we know that we were created for that. And when we see um, the claims of Christ and of Scripture that God deeply desires to befriend us and be with us, in our state of not being our what our destiny should be, we reflexively stiff arm it. In other words, I'm trying to answer your question, mm-hmm. brothers. Mm-hmm. Why do you think so many of us walk around with that deficit? Um, because we hold it at arm's length, certain, just way down deep certain, that can't be who God is. Uh, he can't be that way because I'm not that way. Mm. 
And so we're just spending a lifetime on progressive sanctification, growing in Christ is four, five, six, seven, eight, nine decades of a lifetime letting the scripture um, transform and fix our apprehension of what God and Christ are, are actually most deeply like. Dane, this reminds me of a sermon you recently preached, maybe it was your most recent one, uh, at NPC, uh, preaching on the triumphal entry of Christ. And you mentioned, and I wonder if you could kind of unfold what you just talked about via the Luke 19, uh, the parable where the wicked mm. servant thinks, I have it pulled up here, Luke 19, <laughs> Right. Yes. I will condemn you with your own words, you wicked servant. You knew that I was a severe man, taking what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow, etc. Yeah. And then Christ entering in and weeping over Jerusalem. Maybe un- unfold that for us, because there are passages in Scripture that do talk about, I think of Romans 11, note then the kindness and severity of God. Yes. You know, yes. so sometimes I wonder if people could read gentle and lowly and think, oh, wonderful. Jesus sometimes is very kind. And then <laughs> <Right>. every so often, <laughs> if I'm if I'm really in a state of uh of sin and really moral failure, then here comes his severity towards me. You know, and, and he kind of right. flips back and forth, not quite sure when he is kind or severe, but I know it's both are there. So maybe speak into that pastorally theologically oh and how, how to kind oh, of help people with that. Oh my gosh. Wait, that is just how we think, isn't it? Um, if, you know, uh, he's willing to meet me halfway with his arm crossed. And, um, if, if, you know, when I'm, when I'm, when I'm really putting forth some good effort, uh, but really, you know, at the end of the day, a uh, wrath and judgment, and, and we believe in the wrath and judgment of God, we would not, we would be heretics if we didn't. And the, I mean, right there, in fact, in that Matthew 11 passage, in the couple of paragraphs before he says he's gentle and lowly, he's walking around town pronouncing woes mm-hmm. on Chorazin and Bethsaida. Mm-hmm. And so right there in the same context. But that Luke 19 passage is just amazing, isn't it? Where you have the parable, um, as you just said, three servants, one's given five minus, one, two, one, one. The guy with five invests it, guy with two invests it. Good job, good job. Guy with one buries it. And the explanation, the point of the parable is two times um, the, that that servant is, it, there's a diagnosis given by the Lord Jesus in the parable about why he buried that thing. And it wasn't because he was risk averse. It wasn't because he was lazy. The reason is he had a, a skewed view of his master. Mm. Twice it says he thought the master was severe. Mm-hmm. The Greek word austeros, from which we get austere, austerity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just such an awful word. Mm. Who of us wants an austere person who's our boss or our dad or something? Mm. Austere, severe. Very next passage, triumphal entry. Jesus comes uh, into Jerusalem, and it says that as Jerusalem came into view, he broke down sobbing. Mm. He saw Jerusalem, and he uses the stronger of the two Greek words for cry. It wasn't just, you know, shed a tear or got choked up. He broke down sobbing, convulsing, one commentator says. Wow. Uh, why? Because he was filled 
with pathos and longing and desire. It, it says he broke down and wept and he said, would that you, even you, had known the things that make for peace. He wanted the people, he wanted Jerusalem where they should have gotten right to collapse into reconciled, restored relationship with God. Mm. That word peace is used twice in the context, severe, twice in the parable, peace, twice in the next passage about the triumphal entry. So that's a great wow. window, and I agree, Wade, as to what actually is at his heart and what is most deeply animating the Lord Jesus. Wow. Wonderful. Amen. Mm -hmm. It's almost like this really gets you excited, Dane. <laughs> <laughs> it's worth getting excited over, brothers, as I you agree. know. <clears throat> I agree. Um, yeah. Just wonderful. I, you know, as I, as I, you know, knowing that we were going to have this interview with you, I kind of reflecting on some of the things I learned from this book and it was funny to read through it and, and realize, I feel like I may have quoted some of these lines without even realizing it at, at different <laughs> moments. That's right. Yeah. And, um, I think particularly, and I don't know if you would say this is really a central thing, but it, it to, in my memory, as I read this book, it was, uh, this is page 69 for those of you who are following along at home, but um, when we sin, the very heart of Christ is drawn out to us. He says, or Dane says, huh, you say, <laughs> and just as we can hardly fathom the divine ferocity awaiting those out of Christ, it is equally true that we can hardly fathom the divine tenderness already resting now on those in Christ. That's, um, that is, you're right, exactly the opposite of what we expect and I think you're right. It's probably because that's completely foreign to how we operate. And when I know at times when I said, don't, what do you, how do you think God would receive you? How does he look at you? How do you think he experiences you? Is, isn't it only natural that we think, yep, uh, there he is waiting for us to drag our sorry selves back to him, arms akimbo, uh, looking off, into the distance, not even wanting to make eye contact with us. Um, and then the only problem with that is the Bible. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right. And, um, you know, I'm just so thankful for, for that. I hope as I've reflected on this, I've thought what's, what's one thing I really hope will come out of our time in this book is, um, is actually just what you said, I think is, is love for one another. Of course, love for the Lord Jesus but like you said, the reason that this is such a deficit for us is because it's just not how we, that's not how we respond to people who have wronged us, is it? Right. No. Um, wait, I think you maybe had a question. I did actually. Yeah, I knew it. Dan, here's a question. Say, say five years from now, Gentle and Lowly continues to sell well and people are responding so positively to it and Crossway is like, hey, Dane, let's, uh, republish it and let's do an expanded version at, you get to add two or three more chapters. What since 2020, are there any fresh discoveries you've made about Christ that are not in gentle and lowly, but that you think, man, if I could write a chapter or write another two chapters, I would love to meditate on these things I'm learning about Christ, what what would you say to that? Anything fresh that you've kind of discovered since Gentle and Lowly that would be you'd love to encourage people with about Christ? Oh my, 
Well, thank you for that great question, brother. Um, I, not, I don't know exactly how to tackle that because I, I think what I would say is that the very truths that I have tried my best to um, unfold there in that little book, it's not so, I, here's where I feel my lack and failure. It's not so much that, okay, I've got those 23 chapters buttoned up. Now, what are a couple of other things that I, that I now have learned and need to dial in? I'm just so underdeveloped in all 23 of those chapters still. Mm. I'm trying to figure out how do I, <laughs> how do, how do I, um, like, I, I'm at A in A to Z in mm. actually believing um, what, I'm writing about there, right? Yeah, which yeah. we have in the scripture. So uh, there, are, there are other. Um, I would say this: there are elements of that book that have um, loomed larger in my own heart and meant more to me uh, in the three or four years since writing it. A couple of them are the the friendship of Christ. What does it mean that He is a friend to us in mm-hmm. in this world that has so right. Uh, rendered so shallow that word as a category and concept, mm. the intercessory work of Christ and advocacy of Christ. I really, I mean, I, I, there's a little bit on that in the book, but I was really, um, that was very, very fresh for me, more new to me than anything else I was writing about in the book when I wrote it. And that's something mm-hmm. I've been sinking my heart more deeply into. So brother, great question. I don't have a good answer. Like these are the two or three things, right. but all of it, um, I just want to keep like, like it's an ocean and I I've been able to dive down about 10 feet, mm. but I'd like to be able to, you know, uh, dive down even deeper into all of it. Great. Okay. That's wonderful. Now here's a question in a bit of a different direction. Yeah. We here at Parkview are seeking to form whole disciples. And one means of doing that is by helping people to read their Bibles well. Obviously, Sunday morning worship, specifically mm-hmm. preaching, is seeking to aid in that effort. But I'm thinking the young man or woman or the retired man or woman, they're waking up, and they've got 23 minutes of time in the Word. In light of gentle and lowly, how would you mentor slash coach someone in terms of reading Scripture to discover what we see about Christ in light of the fact that you said, you know, Hey, we've gone through some of us through seminary grad school and didn't quite see this about the Lord. And then it Mm. kind of, you know, through the mentoring of the older saints of the Thomas Goodwin and John Owen, et cetera, Mm -hmm. they they gave you a fresh perspective, a a different angle by which to approach scripture to see Christ. So what would be those things? Would there be, are there questions you would teach us to be asking of the text or, you know, does that make sense what I'm asking? Oh, it does. It okay. does. It's such an urgent question. I want to grow in that way as well. We all need to and desire to. And I, I don't have a magic bullet or anything, but a couple of thoughts that come to mind. One is um, um, I would say to every person who never plans to go to seminary, but wants to grow in the scripture in the way you just described, you don't have to ever go to seminary to be a deep, heartened, comforted reader of scripture. All you have to do probably is slow down. Probably all you have to do is stop rushing it and taking it in as data mm-hmm. or as new theological clarity to integrate into your brain mm-hmm. or to equip you for debate or 
to prepare you for it, whatever. But right. but just actually um, read the words slower, mm, yeah. and therefore mm. thereby take them in deeper. We're we're very very finite creatures, very finite and limited. So just slow down mm. with your coffee and your favorite chair, and maybe uh, you actually. A lot of people are 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 not reading the Bible enough. True. But actually, maybe some of us are reading it too much or at least too quickly. And maybe we need to read one chapter a day and give it 20 minutes instead of two mm. and actually absorb what is being said. We have very good translations. I use the ESV. There are a number of very good English translations that do actually communicate what God is saying. Mm. So if we'll slow down when we're in Hosea, and let chapter 11 actually wash over us after all of the screwiness of God's people in the earlier chapters of the prophecy, mm -hmm. and read what God says about how his holiness is the very reason why he will not execute his burning anger, <laughs> mm -hmm. but actually his heart recoils within him and his compassion grows warm and tender. Mm -hmm. Just stick that in the crockpot of your heart and, and let it simmer there for the day. And um, you'll have something that most seminary grads actually may never have. Mm -hmm. wow. But to give something real practical, um, here's something that Brian Chappell said to us at Covenant Seminary that I've never forgotten and is very useful. Not the only th thing to say, but helpful. When you read a passage of Scripture or prepare to teach it or preach it, just ask the two simple questions. What does this text tell me about the God who provides redemption or people who need redemption? And if you ask those two questions, that steers you away, prevents you from looking at the Scripture as examples to emulate mainly, or what I need to go do and incorporate into my life, download into my daily living. Mm. Uh, mainly, it's saying, what about God's goodness or my badness does this passage teach, which therefore inexorably, inevitably, necessarily leads me to Christ and His finished work. Um, so that's a couple of thoughts, brother. That's great. Wonderful. Very helpful. Yeah. Thank you. Excellent. Dane, well, I I want to ask this question knowing that I think you basically have a book follow-up answer. <laughs> but uh, this book, you know, Wade mentioned it. We our, our mission is to glorify God through our whole church, forming whole disciples of Jesus for the good of all people. And we want to grow well-rounded, deeply formed. That's what we mean, whole disciples. How will knowing the heart of Christ for sinners and sufferers help us along that journey? Well, I love that vision of whole, a whole church that forms whole disciples. And um, I guess what comes to mind, guys, is um, a, a whole church forming whole disciples requires a whole Christ, uh, a small Ooh, Christ. Down. <laughs> a, a small Christ. And what we have to realize is actually we all have a small Christ. We can't help it. It's all we're doing, no matter how big we try to make him. He is a small Christ to us. Mm -hmm. However big he is, looming, however great and glorious he is, that's not great and glorious enough with regard to the reality. Mm. A small Christ makes small Christians. A junior varsity Jesus makes junior varsity Christians. And mm -hmm. we are all junior varsity Christians walking around wondering why we're so resentful and miserable. Mm. And the reason, trace it down, is is we have a miniaturized Christ, actually. Mm -hmm. But Ephesians 3.8 speaks of the unsearchable riches of Christ. So this mm -hmm. is one that you don't ever hit bottom on. 
And so apparently one way to understand our life in a local church uh, or as individuals is to is to under scripture by the grace of the Holy Spirit in community with other believers, let Jesus loom ever larger. Mm-hmm. It's like when Lucy sees Aslan and Prince Caspian, she says, oh, you're bigger. And he <laughs> says, that's because you're older, little one. Mm-hmm. And she says, not because you are. And he says, I am not. But every year you grow, you will find me bigger. Yeah, so great. so 85-year-old Christians should have the biggest Christ, mm-hmm. bigger than 65-year-old Christians, bigger than 45-year-old Christians, whereas a lot of believers tend to think, I got converted at age 30, and I had a really big Jesus, and I, I've been cooling off ever since. Oh. And that's actually backward to the way uh, the Scripture teaches us to think about growth. Yeah, wow. Sheesh. I'm going to have to think about that for at least the next wow. week. Um, now, Dane? couple more questions before we, uh, before we go. Now, some might look at the subtitle of this book, the heart for the heart of Christ for sufferers, sorry, sinners and sufferers. Um, say I'm an average Parkview person. I don't know. And think, aha, this will be great for all those sinners and sufferers out there. You know, Mm -hmm. those people, is this book for them too? Why? Um, that's like a deaf person reading an email that says, I can cure your deafness. And so they forward it to all their fellow deaf friends and don't realize it's for them. Um, Martin Lloyd-Jones talked about one of his sermons, the British preacher Martin Lloyd-Jones. He said, the reason that we don't feel the weight of our sin is our sin. Mm. Like a disease, one symptom of which is you don't know you're sick. Mm-hmm. So we don't we don't feel the weight of our sin when people say, you know, I just don't really I, I, I mean, I'm thinking of a, a man whom I know, a, an acquaintance uh, who does not want re, he hangs around the church, but he doesn't want to be um, he doesn't want to commit to Christ because he doesn't really believe he's a sinner. It's sort of a uh, I'm, you know, I make mistakes. We're all imperfect kind of a view of mm-hmm. himself. Um, he views himself as basically good, who occasionally does things bad, mm-hmm. not basically bad, who if he ever does anything good, it's only because of common grace or the image of God or God's grace in him. So mm-hmm. if we if we were, it's like this, if if sin is the color blue, it's not that most of my life I'm doing things where there's not blue, but every once in a while I'll do a blue thing. Mm-hmm. Rather, everything I do think or say has some taint of blue in it. Mm. So that's why the the the, the idea of a, a message being for sinners and sufferers is a message for everyone actually who has self-understanding mm. because that is everyone. Mm-hmm. And you know what guys, I have been surprised. I thought that that subtitle might cause some people to put it back on the shelf. That's mm-hmm. not for me. Mm-hmm. That's maybe that's happening with some or a lot of people. The testimony I have heard again and again is um is of people who who just uh, I think I think people see themselves in that way way more than we realize they like they they see oh a sinner or a sufferer actually they identify with that they they tend to have within the church they do have some sense of yes that is me so I've been very yeah. gratified by that and thankful for it mm-hmm. and um, am grateful that it's not like oh half of the church thought this was for them the other half didn't. Wow. Good. Convinced me. That's right. (laughs) 
You want to ask our Fair. final question there, Dane? Great. Or, yes. <laughs> Wade. Uh, Dane, we love you. We love your ministry. And we love NPC. And we're wondering, are there any specific ways that we as Parkview people can be praying for you and your ministry and the things the Lord is doing at NPC? Oh, you wonderful guys. Thank you. That just reflects the kind of men you are. I, uh, I, there are a thousand different valid answers I could give to that because all I am is a fountain of need. And all our church is, is um, <laughs> it's like Bob Wiley. And what about Bob? I need, I need, I need. I mean, that, that's uh, how we're going through life. Um, the number one thing, I mean, at the top of the list, and I, you guys know this, you, you're, you're seeing God build it there, um, is what we long is to see gospel culture. And that might be a phrase that is familiar to people, but what I mean by that is what does it mean for a church that confesses and protects a a strong and clear and deep vertical gospel of God's grace for sinners? What does it mean for that gospel to flop on its side and horizontally inform actual relationships? The Mm -hmm. way we treat one another is a, an x-ray into the way each of us believes God treats us. Mm. So if I see someone who's resentful towards, then I'm seeing someone who actually, they may say they believe God is forgiving, but they believe God deeply harbors resentment toward them, mm. uh, and so on. And so what, what, what we long for, what we're praying our way into, is, is gospel culture. The thing is, you have to pray because you can't engineer that, like building a Lego set. Mm-hmm. You have to be lifted into it, like, you know, like being lifted out of a 20-foot pit that you're at the bottom of with no ladder, rope, mm-hmm. and with sheer walls. Mm-hmm. You can't get there but be lifted into it. And so we're seeking to pray our way into it, um, a, a gospel culture, a an environment that is incredibly relaxed mm-hmm. and mutually dignifying and honoring of one another because the good news is just that real to us. That's what we're longing for. Praise God. Great. Okay. Well, then it sounds like you know how to pray for us, too. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Copy and paste. It. Yes. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, Dane, we're so thankful you took the time to talk with us. We're thankful for your your effort and energy to write this book. It's been a blessing to us, and we know it is going to be a huge mega blessing to Parkview Church. And so, well, may, yeah. may it be such an honor to talk to you, Thomas. Away. Thank you guys for your mm-hmm. heart and all you Absolutely. And for you, Parkview people listening in, uh, we're really excited for you to read this book with us this summer uh, in our groups. Um, And so we'll share some more information soon about how to get a copy. We have some that are available. And uh, um, yeah, so uh, we'll uh, fill you in more as we go. Thanks again, Dane. And uh, thanks, Dane. We'll talk to you again soon. 